Whose streets? Our streets. Every time I sit down, I'm taking a stand. You know, a lot of haters have been saying that I shouldn't even be using a wheelchair because I've fully used all my limbs. The other night I was out of my quad and I saw another kid in a wheelchair just totally biting my style. I was just like, whatever. It's, yeah. You know, I told a friend about it and it turns out they know him and found out that that kid actually is like uh, handicapped. He had like some sort of like pool accident when he was like nine, so he's been in a wheelchair for a while. But you know, the real difference between him and me is he has to be in a wheelchair and I want to be in one. So wheel with it. Oh, damn it. Went and saw my head guy today, Larry. Larry the head guy. He's more of a shaman than a psychotherapist. Uh, and then I went to see my mind and body lady, Carmen, over at the hot yoga place. And I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm having some clarity about things. And to an extent, it's never 100% clear, of course, but feeling better than I have in a little while. Just, we talked about the idea of opening up, being more open to the world, and there's a double-sided bone within me about, about uh, interacting with the world. I have my creative life, and then I have the potentiality of a love life. And the only way to, to open those both up into the other people being involved in them, i.e. Uh, collaboration within art slash someone involved in my love life with me, so it's not a masturbation life. The only way to do that is to really open up my heart to the world. Loosen up and accept, you know, my life and everything around me for what it is, you know? Hopefully, when I meet that person that's like the right person for me, which is gonna have to be, we talked about, that it's gonna have to be somebody strong, because I'm, I'm, I'm a uh, human with a lot of idiosyncratic uh, ways, to, to say mildly. Uh, it's gonna be, have to be a strong person that challenges me and, and pushes me, you know? And we, we talked about my history with, with <laughs> the fact that that relationship with her over the years, whether it was romantic or friendship or whatever it was, the, the murky waters of confusion, that that relationship was really a way to crack open something within me and show me that a certain part of me exists so that I'm, I'm, I'm tapped into it for a future relationship that I might have for that person that I might meet and who will be, be there and clear in the emotional ways that I need that person to be, but, not, but can't rely on those emotional things for the, for the foundation of a relationship. The emotional stuff buzzes around sort of up top. You know, that's that's gonna be what it is. Uh, but I feel like with <laughs> it was hard to see clearly below that. There's that deep space nine water that is crystal clear at the bottom for some reason because it's like, uh, there's like mermaids and shit and they have actually lanterns and they have sort of tiki torches down there and stuff set up. So you can see around in the bottom, but, but if you can't see below that murky middle, that murky emotional middle, then you'll never have that basis on which to build your penis castle, if we're continuing the Little Mermaid reference. Yeah, but I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm 
and, and I'm never gonna figure my whole self out before I meet someone to share my life with, okay? That's not gonna happen. There's no way for that to happen. I've got a lot of issues, emotional and otherwise, and best that I am just open to the world, meet someone that I can work through those with. And, and probably that's the only way to work through those issues is to have someone to bounce back and forth with, uh, some, have some push and pull, some give and take in this life as opposed to the jellyfish effect of my emotional life just sprawling all over this house um, because there's no bones. Gotta have that bone structure. Am I getting too uh, convoluted with these metaphors? Probably I am, but that's my nature. Anyway, that's where I have my sights set, is open to love, open to the, the world of humans for collaboration, for intimacy, and I'm working towards that. I think I'm working towards that. I'm gonna make it, you guys. I'm gonna make it. All right. Then I went to a hot yoga class my girl Carmen, she is the pinnacle of positive mental attitude and what I want to be. That, I, every time I'm, I'm in her class, she, she makes me feel like, let's do this, let's do this life. And uh, that's what you want out of a yoga teacher or a shrink or whatever the fuck, someone you're going to, to enhance your inner life and outer life, the relationship between your inner and outer lives, lives. Perhaps I overworked myself. I pushed myself in those kind of yoga classes, you know? It's like, uh-uh, bitch, I'm a fucking downward dog better than you do, or whatever. I'm working on that, too, and working on accepting where I'm at in the day. I, I just also like to feel like I've really worked it out, you know? I like to come out of a class and be like, woo! Anyway, I'm feeling pretty good right now, if you can't tell. I'm about to cook a scallop dinner chow down and, and uh, edit some more podcasts because that's what I do with my days for you, my friends. Wow, enough about me. Today on this podcast, this seventh podcast in the series of The Wandering Wolf, today we have Andre Highland, who is an hilarious, you say an hilarious, an hilarious comedian and actor director and video maker and artist and visual artist, etc., etc. Just a super creative, smart, quick, witty guy uh, that I've known since I was 19 years old, I think. Now, I have to say, we recorded this interview in the backstage of a Y concert uh, in Pomona a couple of months ago, and people are coming back there popping bottles, chit-chatting, flip-flapping. You hear the sound check in the other room, etc. This is at the glass house. You know, if I, if I would have known how loud it was going to be, I might have tried to find another place, a coffee shop or something, you know. But this is just the way it is. On the road, you're not always going to find a vacuum-sealed room. Think of it as like one of those news stories on NPR when they go talk to somebody in the cafe and get opinions. Yeah, it's still profesh, right? So anyway, I, we had a nice long conversation. I had to get rid of some of it for quality purposes, no, too much noise. 
But but, but there's there's plenty here that's interesting. Pretzel rolls. She's like, nah, nah, I don't want booze. Food did not accept food. I food. See. Pretzel rolls are the bomb. Pretzels, pretzels, food, condiments, gluten, cheeseburgers, pretzel buns, tacos, and tortillas, corn, genetically modified, cupcakes, Taco Bell, Chipotle, weird random fucking trucks. Chipotle, like Chipotle pizza. There's frozen pizza. There's right. gourmet pizza. There's delivery pizza. Chipotle. Chipotle. Shit tastes amazing. Chipotle. Oh, but I remember like when I go to Chipotle or Chipotle, I'd be like, oh, oh, we went got lunch. Oh, where'd you go? Oh, I went to Chipotle. <laughs> You know McDonald's owns them. Yeah, yeah. that's fucking yuppie fast food. Oh, oh no. I'm the last guy to be talking about political no, food you're, statements you're and shit. Political <laughs> and immoral. Uh, so let's go back let's go back to where 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 we met. You and okay. I. Yeah. We met in uh, in college. Yeah. We don't want to talk about me hating on homeless people and politically no, minded friends. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'd like to glean a little bit about you and why yeah, you do yeah. what you do um dumb shit yeah and and uh no, <laughs> uh, no why what got you into your the, the art stuff that you do so yeah we, we were both going to college for art fine art when we first met right first when we met was the tail end of my senior high school okay and, and you were an apogee and leon leon reed for those listening <laughs> um Somehow, I went with him over to your guys' place to, to paint cardboard fish for your next show. That's and that's right. how I met you. That's yeah. right. Over at... That's right. And that over, was like over, August 98 or summer... Or July 98? Yeah, somewhere at, in there. At, yeah. the, at that little apartment that me and Adam had. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 In Clifton um, Heights, yeah. Okay. Now it's all, it's all coming back to me. And we made fish for... Uh, it was a that show. was the theme of one of our apps. Yeah, it was a shows. show at Ripley's. I think. Yeah, that yeah, turned yeah. into Chipotle. <laughs> it was like under under the sea. That did turn into Chipotle. It's yeah. all full circle. Yeah. That's crazy. And then I made a flyer for you guys. Leon and I designed a flyer together. That's right. Where he did the background and I did the character in the middle. Cool. Yeah, but I have that one. I think it was from August 30th, 98. That's I think this one's from. That was a, that was a big uh, time for me creatively because that spring is when I started doing like graffiti and street art stuff with Leon. That was spring of '98. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had dabbled with it a couple years earlier, and like '96 was like the first time I did some shit. But '98 uh, is where I so got fully engrossed. What in, in, what what in, got you interested in that? Just the fact that you were hanging with Leon and Joey. Uh, yeah, I mean geography too. Like you know, I've been best friends with Leon since kindergarten, and then I met Joey in high school, and Leon started doing graffiti probably around freshman year of high school. So it was kind of like, and then after eighth grade, I moved from Clifton, which you know is like more of an urban area, to Indian Hill for to to go to high school, and that was it's really out in the country, but like. Yeah, like it is and it isn't, but it's right between like it's right next to Kenwood, which is a big thriving suburban mecca yeah. of the area. But yeah, it's like it's technically a village. Yeah. And it was that whole experience of moving to Indian Hill was strange too, just because like the reason we moved there is because me and my older brother and younger brother all have dyslexia and Cincinnati public schools where I was like struggling through public school the whole time having real difficulty learning how to read and all that kind of shit. I went to like private schools, public schools, church schools, homeschooling, all this shit between kindergarten in eighth grade, you know, I oh my god, you could do a whole episode about the shit I did at school. I'm, I'm like, curious. Right? I'm curious about that. Did you feel like you were kind of an outsider within all those realms, or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh, I mean, not. I think so, definitely. Um, I, it was weird. Um, well, like, how to describe it? Like, it was one of those deals where I was like having trouble learning how to read, and of, so of course, and keeping up with everybody in class. So I felt stupid, but like I knew I wasn't stupid, which made it even more frustrating. 
and then embarrassing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that would lead to a lot of frustration. Like, when I was little, I used to have, like, a pretty bad temper, but it wasn't from, like, a malicious place. It was just from being frustrated all the time for yeah. those same purposes. Uh, you know, Adam, my older brother, and Jason, my younger brother, you know, they, they may have even had it worse than me, but we all, how we dealt with it was all different. And yeah. my sister didn't seem to ever be the too bothered by it or have it, you know. But through that whole period, yeah, it made you feel like an outsider, and it forced you to... Um, it forced me to try to figure out all these other tricks to do the same trick. It right. was essentially that method all the time. Right, right, You know right, what I right, mean? Right, Because just the path that was given to me to learn how to study for the test just did not compute in my brain. Different means to the same end. Exactly, But, but you had exactly. to come up with a different kind of path yeah. that they didn't give to you. Yeah. They and didn't offer you. Exactly. And then so I would go this roundabout way, which worked for me, but then you'd be told that's wrong. Right. And you're like, but I got there. And they're like, it's wrong, you know? Right. Some teachers would embrace it and be like, okay, everybody's got their own style. But at large, in those public schools and stuff, it would just be like, uh, he's just not cutting it. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's hold him back. Let's this or that, you yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, some schools were good for it. Like when I went to Doherty, that was a private school. And I went from kindergarten. Instead of going to first grade, I went to transitional. And then finally, when I did go to first grade, uh, that's when I had my first major, like, blow up at school. I was in the back of the class, and uh, uh, it was kind of a large, big room, and then there was different classrooms separated by bookshelves, so it wasn't like a traditional room, 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 and uh, bookshelves, and then little tables with, like, listening desks, like a record player with books you could, you know, like, boop, turn the page, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So, uh, in this one class, (laughs) you know, some sort of lesson, and I was in the back, and I just sort of, like, checked out at this point. I was like... I'm trying, and I'm not getting anywhere and getting kind of, I feel like, hated on for it. So I'm just going to draw in my workbook. And it's like one of those workbooks that you'd actually write in, that kind of thing. So I was like, I'm just going to fucking draw circles in this thing. And so she called on me for some question, and I didn't know the answer. And it was something like, come on, we've just been talking about this. And, like, mind you, I have tried. Like, at the time, I was trying to learn. But just in that moment, I was like, ugh, I I can't, I don't understand any of what's going on. So so I'm drawing. And then she calls on it. I think I get the, the answer wrong. And she goes, you need to you know what you're doing. And I just like, uh, she said something like, you know. We've been going over this. Or something like that. And I just lost it. I went, I was in the back row. So I just got up with my workbook and just walked to the back of the room and just slammed it in this wastebasket. Yeah. And uh, she's like, get up here and write your name on the board. <clears throat> Which meant you were in trouble. Like if you were right. acting up, you had to write your name on the board. And if you were acting really in trouble, you'd have to put a check next to it. Like extra oh, bad. No. So I go up there and write the name all angry. And then she goes, put a check next to that. And I was like, I just drew a huge, like, you know, a smiley face, but the angry version. Yeah. And, uh, Frown face. yeah, yeah. And then I think she said something like, come on, we're going to the office. And then I just like extra snapped and I just took the desk, pushed it towards her and I like went towards her knees and she had to jump back. And then I just immediately picked up a chair and just fucking chucked it at her. Oh my God. And there was a huge melee. So there was I a, mean, much of a melee as a six year old can create. Yeah. Or however old you're in first grade. How old are you in first grade? Five, seven, six, seven, seven, I don't six know. or seven. Yeah. But I don't know, somewhere around that age. Yeah. yeah. And so then I ran out the door, took off in the middle of the, like the madness and using my hide-and-go-seek skills, instead of running, I just immediately hid right behind the door when it was open. So I was Smart. just behind the door. Smart. So she runs out. Everybody's panicking. The fucking custodians are looking. You know, they ran past me. I fucking go back inside. And so many kids, I guess, were enamored with what happened, looking outside and looking out the window, that I went back in. This sounds like bullshit, because I'm still shocked that I got <laughs> no, away with this. I, I went back inside and hid under one of those listening booths, like yeah. I was describing before, yeah. and pulled the chair in front of me. So they think I just took off. And I'm just, like, running around O'Brienville or wherever. Right. A couple hours go by, and they're, like, my parents have been called. The police have been called. There's custodians. You're still under this desk. Yeah, I'm still under the desk. And there's custodians, like, looking around for me oh around the God. neighborhood. And they the don't kids, know if I got kidnapped, if I'm dead, if I'm hiding. And then eventually, this girl, 
Um, Sarah Joy is her name. What a um, bitch. She just, I used to see her head appear under the table, and he goes, found him, here he is! And I was like, no! <laughs> so what, that, what that was, we need to do is find this girl, Sarah fucking... Sarah Joy. Sarah I'm sure Joy she's lovely. Now. I don't <laughs> I haven't seen her in forever. And like, you know... She's a rat. <laughs> that was my last day at Doherty. So I went to Trinity after that, which was a church school, like out in the burbs. My mom was doing advertising for them at the time. A short-lived period there. It's like a Catholic school, right? And I remember we had to go up for service, and uh, this was a little thing that happened. They give you the body of Christ, the cracker thing. And I just put it in my mouth, and I was like, this tastes like the bottom of a Dixie cup. So I just, like, kept it in my mouth, you know? And uh, and then when we left, uh, you I put it all over the cuckoo's nest? Yeah, like, yeah. With the, with the sacrament? I did. <laughs> so, so we go down, like, the, the, the church is upstairs, and the, the school part of it was in the basement. So I was in the basement, and uh, so I, I, I have this, like, body of Christ nasty tasting cracker in my mouth and I just spit it out in this wastebasket all these wastebasket issues so anyway like I spit it out and the minister saw me and he frowned on that of course yeah. so not much came of that but that was just kind of like the beginning of my relationship there with like okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> spit that out He's, uh, how long were you there for not long uh, each place I went got shorter okay until homeschooling so I forget the amount of days I was at Trinity. Not many, really, not many. So, um, so that happened. That was just kind of a little funny aside. So anyway, at the time I was really obsessed. Well, with Ghostbusters, which I can't remember the name of the fucking EK, EK peep. EKG man. EK, is that it? That's Are you sure I don't it's EKG think that's reader? It, no, I, I think it's like EPK reader. It's not EPK. I keep thinking of Electric Press Kit. Anyway, at the time I was obsessed with Ghostbusters and then like cops. Not the cops, the show, but just being a policeman and okay. like that. That'd be cool to like yeah. police stuff. So there's this other kid at the school. And uh, he was kind of a little bit of a brat, and uh, and I always thought it'd be cool to be like a security guard or a policeman at the time. You know, something with some authority where you run around and like yeah. bust stuff, I guess. Yeah. And in the hallway, I guess they had some play at the school or something. I don't know what it was, but you know, like uh, backstages at places like a, more like a Broadway show kind of theater where there's like a makeup table with light bulbs around it. Sure. There was a fake one of those in the hallway that was some sort of set piece for some sort of production or something they did at this school slash church. And anyway, it was just sort of st- it was just being stored in the hallway. But anyway, it had all these light bulbs on it, and I forget the other kid's name. But the bratty kid was like messing with the table, and I thought, haha, I'll stop him. I'll uh, I'll, I'll be like the hallway police guy and be like, yo, oh, chill with messing with the light bulb right, table, right. With the makeup table. And then I forget exactly what I said to him, but something to the effect of stop doing that. And then he didn't like that. So we got into some little argument. Uh-huh. And then one of the teachers sort of found us just arguing. And that's all she saw. You know, and I would try to explain, like, I was trying to stop him from messing with the table. Right. And she's, all she saw was that two kids were fighting. And I thought that was like a major injustice. I was right. like, I was trying to do right by this place and stop him from fucking up this table. And uh, she just wasn't having it. So we're both in equal trouble. And I felt totally like, this is some bullshit. I was helping you out. I was helping the institution out. You know, in both cases, you were doing what you could. And you, yeah. you were trying and to do the right thing. And somebody was, thought you were a bad kid. Yeah, exactly. And then you became a bad kid. More or less, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so we get taken to the office, and uh, the teacher went back to teach the class. And I'm in there. The kid's in another room. Outside of the office is the hallway, and right outside the hallway is the front door of the place. Why don't I just do so that? So while I'm in the office, I'm looking around, sizing it up, and there's an old lady, and I remember this pretty vividly. She had a, 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 um, like a lime green polyester suit on. Some shit that, like... Uh, Heavy D would have worn in that Sprite commercial a long time ago. <laughs> like that kind of shit. I like the Sprite, right? I am Heavy D and I'm very particular. Um, so she's got in this polyester suit. So I'm like, okay, she's a fucking old lady. I can outrun her. Right. No problem. 
So my, my, so I go, okay, I can outrun her. I go, and just right out the door, right? And uh, right past her, hey! And then I'm like out the front door and around the front of the building. I so wish I could have seen this experience through my brother. So I because remember, these classrooms are in the basement. And I run outside, and that's when I noticed the lady was chasing me. And in the classroom, my brother just, you know, he hears some, like, me hollering outside or whatever. And he just sees two little feet, like, run outside the basement window and turn around. And he hears, leave me alone, you bitch. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and that's what I was he saying. Knew it was you. That's what I was saying. Yeah, he knew it was me, especially after the last school. But the yeah. reason I went there is because I had my meltdown at the last right. school. Right. There's a lot of wannabes running around town. Some say they're up when they ain't even down. Remember, I'm Heavy G and the boys are my crew. And we like to write you. I remember when I met you, it was like it was about graffiti and videos. Yeah, and you and you do you did seem to be juggling like which one you want to be more serious about. Yeah, yeah. Because you can only do you know. There's only so much time in the day. Exactly. It doesn't mean you can do one or the other. But if you're ever gonna like kind of go full all the way, it's you gotta kind of concentrate on one. Then I what I've noticed when you do finally concentrate on one, inevitably all those other skills fall into it in some way or another. Yeah. But back to the high school periods, then I was like, okay, I wanted to be a director. And then I remember also always watching movies. I always looked at the actors on the screen as they're the ones who sort of are make the movie what they are you know even though I know there's more moving parts than that but I remember Boogie Nights seeing that and then uh, The Big Lebowski those are the two movies that made me go okay I'm watching I'm paying attention to directors now not just the actors yeah and those movies were huge I guess influences like right. oh and those shit are big, these are great those are big director movies which yeah you yeah see the, you yeah exactly, see the exactly. Of the director. I mean Pulp Fiction obviously was a huge one I went yeah. to that like five or six times at the theater yeah. and then uh, there used I to be that, that cheap theater in Norwood and you could just go yeah, all yeah. the time and that was awesome yeah, that was another thing all through high school, man. Not that that's anything unique to go to a bunch of movies, but I was always going to the fucking movies yeah. as much as I could. Yeah, but the, the Boogie Nights, I remember just being like, whoa. <laughs> I, just, like, I just loved how much time they spent with all the characters in that. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so anyway, those movies made me pay attention to characters. Like, obviously, The Big Lebowski is, like, yeah. all about a character. It's not like one of those things where, like, oh, they're in a character, so that makes me into characters, but it's finally like, hey, someone concentrated on the same shit I always just enjoy, yeah. you know? Like, so that was exciting. And uh, at the same time, too, I discovered Keith Haring through Leon, you know, the street artist who do... Because also, let me say, when I was doing graffiti, I wasn't doing traditional graffiti. Right. Like, traditional in the sense that, yeah, I was using spray paint and tagging stuff, but I wasn't using... I wasn't writing a name. I was always doing characters. Right. And when I saw Keith Haring stuff, I was like, oh, cool. Someone, like, what I'm doing... Thing, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, he does characters. I'll do characters, too. It was just another one of those, like, exciting, like, oh, someone did something. You yeah. Know, they, like, uh... That was always my shit. Is like I was. I mean, I wrote. I wrote a word, but I always liked seeing shit that was totally different. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, like your shit or Leon or, or Eric. Yeah, that they they would do out of the box shit. It yeah, just looked different, felt different. And I can't even. Say, I mean, I, I think at a certain point it was conscious to do stuff different, but also part of it is just like. Uh, this is what I know how to do, and I'm going to do this because this feels right to yeah. me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then inevitably it is different, which makes it kind of, I think, more interesting, at least in realms, but also at the same time continues to make you feel like an outsider. Like, I don't know if I fully belong in this club, but even though you're putting in the work. Speaking and, of and, that. And that's mostly in your own head, I think. Yeah, but speaking of that and feeling like an outsider, you know, and, and you did in a way. Your shit was really different, you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought it was very unique. Um and just the fact that you didn't write a word, but you did write Buddy Lembeck. I had to sign it after a while because I, well, the first word I associated with it was always character was always the main thing. Yeah. But then, like, start doing shows or people wouldn't know how to describe it when they write about it right. in a zine or something right. like that, which at first was kind of funny to hear him, but, but I was like, I can't. So have, I got to connect the dots for people to some extent, right. you know. But so I, what I was trying to say is yeah. that that name is, is an outsider, even, you know. Yeah. In that show, he's like, 
the random outsider friend that comes in in, in Charles in charge. You know, oh, he's that's not, true. He's yeah. not the guy in charge. <laughs> he's just like the the sidekick, the sidekick, the, the sort of sidekick. faraway guy. So you were always. Yeah, I was always kind of self-deprecating in some way or another. Yeah. Was the, yeah, like, was I wanted Buddy Lembeck because I thought, like, you know, there's a lot of cool graffiti names I could think of, but I was like, I want something that's not cool, something right. that looks fucking awkward and sounds stupid. And my the first one I thought of, well, actually, the first thing I wrote was 1984 next okay. to it, and then I thought that's kind of too heavy-handed, <laughs> even yeah. though, like, it was even it sounded cool. Like, I was really into that book when I read it in high school, but when I started using that, I was like, that's... I don't know. I kind of started thinking that was one-dimensional and not that yeah. funny. Yeah. And uh, and so that's when I came up with Buddy Lembeck uh, because that sounds awkward and awful and it would yeah. look really weird to write that. And But before I did Buddy Lembeck, I thought of using the name Herb Tarlick, which okay. was the name of the character of like the cheesy ad sales guy on WKRP in Cincinnati. Because okay. I thought that would be like a cool connection to Cincinnati, having this character for yeah. Herb Tarlick. But then I thought if I have to abbreviate it to just Herb, it's going to look like herb, and it's just going to look like some stoner graffiti, That's which true. I already get accused of anyway. Everybody always thinks I'm a stoner anyway. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that won't help anything. Yeah. And, um, and you don't smoke pot at all. You no, never not at all, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get why people look at me and assume it. I'm not, like, naive to that. But, right. like, but you, you look like a scrub. Yeah. You look like someone that would smoke weed. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so I went Buddy Lembeck, because I thought that would be a funny thing. Yeah. And I, had, I, I was doing an art show, and I needed to have some sort of name. And I was, I was at Kowtow. That, for those who don't know what Kowtow was, is the store that sold, like, cool underground urban stuff in, like, the 90s. What was it the early 90s to early 2000s that store existed? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they had graffiti They had graffiti-related yeah. shit and this and that. And then just to think of that now is just funny. It's just like it's like a, a shelf at Urban Outfitters, that uh, store. That, that was like, there's too, no need for that type of store but anymore, even with the internet true, and that's everything. True, but even with that store, for me, I was used to stealing spray paint. And I, I didn't buy caps. I didn't go yeah. to buy. I might, I might, like, come upon one cap. That like one of the oh, t- that's the thing one too. of the yeah, TSC yeah. dudes left like yeah, the yeah. channels. No, that's so true. Buying caps, yeah. Cows, that's where you go to get so, caps for your spray can. I didn't yeah. even, you know, I would, I would like, uh, you know, I would just use the manufacturer's <laughs> caps or like I might co- find a stock cap, stock cap, stock cap, stock <laughs> cap. Yeah, yeah. No, I use everything, but I remember going there. Yeah, for 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 fat caps and all. Hold that. on a second. Somebody's calling me. I just want to see sure. who this is. Yeah, hello. We need you on stage right now. This is Yoni. I'm sorry, who gave you... I'm sorry, I missed that. Who gave you my number? Oh, my publicist. Oh, okay. Um, I have a friend who's at your concert, and I was, we were just wondering if you would be able to give a shout-out to Jason, who is one of the What's who, who's your publicist? Who are you? <laughs> um, I work with um, Warner Brother Records. Um, okay, haven't heard of it. Uh, anyways, yeah, I don't. I know you're about to go on, so not to worry if you have a problem with it. But it's Jason, so yeah. So if you could, that'd be great. Give me a record deal with Warner Brothers.
as an artist, I can I can give it to my producer, and um, he can see what what happens. But um, what do you what's yeah, your what do you what do you what do you uh, what do you record under? You you make music? Yeah, yeah. What's your what's your project? Um um um, it's, it's an, I'm doing an EP with them. What's it um, What's it called? Yeah, but, um, hey, I'm getting a call through, and I think it's work-related, so I'm, I gotta go, but, um... You sound cagey. You sound cagey about this whole affair, about this whole thing. Uh, um, sorry, what? I said you sound cagey about this whole affair. What, what's your project called? I said it's an, it's, I'm working on an EP. It's, a, it's not a band, it's an artist's name. What's your name? Katie? Look, I'm not. I said something about getting a record deal. I'm not really stressed about that. I'm just curious what what your name is, so I can look out for your music and stuff like that. That's all. She just hung up. She hung up on me. God, that got if weird. You're gonna call me. And ask, <laughs> get, first of all, first of all, she sent with a blocked number. Yeah. And she's gonna call me and ask me to shout her boy out who's here at the concert tonight. And Jason Smith, write that down. And then and then won't even. She she said she was making a record for Warner Brothers Records. Anyway, um, what are we talking about before that? Before Katie called, we were talking about uh, graffiti versus videos. Oh yeah, Cowtown and all that shit and all that. Yeah. Hmm. So in your videos, you have you know many many different characters, and they're all very different in many ways. But the common thread, I would say is that they are extremely obnoxious and sort of like the the butt of the situation in yeah. one way or the another another uh, they're uh, aggressively oblivious not at all malicious usually at all yeah. but but always fucking shit up yeah in uh, some yeah. some way where does that archetype come from or do you have an idea about that um if you're the butt of the joke, you can control what's going on, and and uh, you know as far as the piece goes, to go back a little bit, like a lot of times when you go make a video, you don't have any money, which is normally most the case or little as far as even when I have a big budget, it's still small right. by most sure. uh, you know whatever TV and whatever scale goes. So you're left with a lot of just uh, the bare essentials, like how can I get the most out of the least, you know, and uh, a lot of the times. Like, say I have a hundred dollars. I'm not going to try to make that hundred dollars look like a million dollars. I'm going to make it look like the best looking a hundred dollars. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. like, like, what do we have available? I have me available. Great. I know how to edit and I know what I want out of the character. So I'll be the character. And a lot of it starts there. Like I know what I want, so I'll do it. Right. And then I'll get a shooter, uh, if I can't shoot myself doing it. Right. You know, so, uh, a lot of it is small in that way. So that puts me very much in the middle of it and then the non-malicious is because I'm not necessarily a malicious person I guess and then if I'm uh, and this is just the bare minimum sort of I mean things fluctuate from piece to piece but 
But if I say I'm the butt of the joke, then I can control the joke, where it goes and where it ends. And uh, mm-hmm. I can make the other person feel comfortable there. And if, let's say, it's something hidden camera, let's say someone comes off like an asshole interacting with me, it's because they're an asshole. Again, right. And I don't feel bad about it. Sometimes, but not necessarily because you push people. Yeah, well, that's not, that, part, well, that's that's part of what that, you like. Well, you, no, what you're describing, though, is that's, a, that's, that's them not coming off as an asshole. That's a, a rational person reacting to someone being ridiculous. But, right. but if someone comes off, like I'm just saying, like an asshole, right. it's probably because they're an asshole. Right. If someone gets annoyed with me, that's because I'm being an annoying person. Yeah, yeah, they're not yeah. being an asshole. Right. But, um... So you're, you're being yeah. an asshole sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm being more, uh, yeah, there's different... What draws you to I'm that I'm not going to say I've never been malicious. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm sure there's a few examples yeah. you can think of where I crossed the line here or there or yeah, something like yeah. that. But in general, I do not do that and I don't necessarily intend to do that. I mean, ultimately, yeah. it's in good fun in some way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, my, my goal is kind of the people I, I goof with and stuff is more or less not... I don't want them to leave feeling like, oh... I don't want them to leave feeling, like, stupid. Like, uh, I mean, I don't go into it. I want them to feel great about things. It's kind of like the chips will fall where they do, but my intention is not to make them feel stupid. Right. You know, my intention is to cause a, a, a kind of a fucked up weird situation that I find really funny, and I'm videotaping it, that I'll share with other people and, and hope that other people find the same stuff funny that I find funny. And right. So I think whatever this is I'm doing, this situation that I've created is funny. And then the person I've done it in front of, hopefully they'll be like, what a fucking weirdo, and whatever, react to the character kind of accordingly in a funny, contrasty way just by natural... By a natural reaction to whatever behavior I'm doing at the time. And then hopefully after I leave, I don't even tell them it was first shoot or anything like that unless it's some sort of production where I need to get waivers from people. Right. And I don't approach them about it. A PA does. But in general, I hope to just leave the experience with them being like – them going home to their apartment that night and telling their girlfriend what or their roommate, like, dude, I met this guy today <laughs> yeah. and he was trying to walk through the drive-thru and he freaked out and threw his phone on the floor. Got right. a fucking nut job. So but like I was never mean to them. I was just kind of just – you know the, yeah. the character just blew up a lot of times they won't even know that it was a, a video yeah uh, yeah exactly yeah. exactly exactly yeah. and it's not hitting camera stuff in the sense like oh I'm gonna go prank somebody you know and I'd say when I first started doing that you feel like there's this part of you this idea in your head of like what you're supposed to do so I think early on sometimes when I was doing stuff like hitting camera stuff like that like early stuff with Tracy and Jesus um, sometimes I would say stuff mean just because I thought like oh I need some button to end on or something like yeah. that um, which was that was more of, rather than I want to be mean to people like i'm just trying to figure out this medium you know yeah. and find my place in it you know what drew you to the hidden camera thing i mean it's almost like graffiti in a way to yeah. me out in the world yeah and capturing things in a way that is not necessarily law-abiding yeah there's a lot of similarities or parallels between my graffiti street art stuff and to my hidden camera comedy stuff like also uh, i didn't mention earlier like a lot of times when leon and i would go out and do graffiti stuff we uh, started wearing construction uniform costumes and going out and just dressing up as construction workers. In the middle of the day. Re- yeah, in the middle of yeah. the afternoon, yeah. replacing street signs. Uh, not ones that would make people crash, but just right. random shit, you right. know, uh, installing them in broad daylight, acting like we knew what we were doing. So we were already playing characters out that. in public, yeah. installing our graffiti pieces. Uh, we'd still do traditional stuff as far as going out at night and, and painting trains, or, or you can paint trains in the daytime sometimes. But anyway, traditional graffiti shit. But we also had this whole other approach of like, we're going to dress up as construction construction workers because when you go down the street and you see a construction worker doing something you don't really think anything of it it's just right. just visual noise cops you know, will whatever drive right by yeah cops will drive right by the only people like we would notice like sometimes we'd pretend like we worked for a phone company like we uh, there was like in Brooklyn in Brooklyn uh, Leon had a Verizon helmet so we dress up as Verizon workers to install uh, you know we take down 
a Verizon phone booth sign, take it back to the apartment, studio or whatever, paint it, do whatever to it, you know, manipulate it, and then go reinstall it dressed as a Verizon worker. You don't have to worry about anybody spotting you except for Verizon workers. Right. So that's who you got to look Wait out for. Wait a second. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, them. yeah, exactly. And even then, you know, they might not even notice. But they're the only guys who are going to be keyed into what something is out of the norm. You yeah. Know? So when I started doing, a, you know, graffiti, you hide and you disguise yourself and you do everything to not let people know you've gone somewhere and you've done something. Then you come back and get a picture of it later and hope that no one recognizes you or, yeah. you know, notices, attaches you to it. Right. Or it's funny, the hidden camera video stuff is like you go out and shoot it, capture everything in the moment, then uh, hopefully leave no evidence behind. Whereas in graffiti, you leave the evidence behind right. deliberately, then document that, and don't want anybody to see the process. Whereas the hidden camera stuff, you record the whole process and hope they don't leave enough stuff fucked up that they're going to come after you afterwards. Right. You know. That's cool. And the That's hidden cool. camera stuff varies from very, you know, mild stuff to shit. Like, we'll get arrested if we get caught doing this right now. What's, yeah. what's some of the worst shit you've done that you might get arrested for? Uh, for uh, video stuff? Yeah. Um, it, it, it varies. Like, sometimes it's nothing you even see on camera. Sometimes it's like, this is a... Like a high profile area, so we're gonna get busted for not having a permit. That's like the most boring high stakes mm-hmm. thing, uh, but that's something you really think about. Because it's like, it's, that's exactly it. It's fucking boring and right. like, get fine and do some of your footage. I don't know. What's, like, some, what's some high stakes interesting shit? I'm trying to think. Uh, one of the, oh yeah, I can think of. Um, Shooting at malls is always tough. Uh, Climbing onto the roof of the of the of Taco Bell, Taco Bell with a Christmas yeah. tree that one yeah. time throwing it off the roof. Yeah, yeah. Like, like hope we can do this without a cop passing. We yeah. can climb onto the roof of this Taco Bell and throw a pine tree off the roof. Right. Um, which was just it wasn't even like a prank. It was for a short film I was right. making, and that was a scene I needed. So like, well, we got to go throw this fucking tree off the roof of Taco Bell. Okay, let's go do it and right. get out of there as quick as we can. You know, uh, so like again, that wasn't even like a prank even aimed at Taco Bell. It was part right. of like a fictional story I had created. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing too with a lot of my hidden camera street stuff. Uh, my character is living a fictional story, but it just happens to be taking place in reality. So anybody that I encounter, they have to deal with my fictional reality now because that's right. my situation. And then I always try to keep it very grounded and very real when I do characters. It's not like, this is Wacky Hat Man. This right. is uh, this is Hobo Willie. You know, it's like a very grounded uh, person. They're ridiculous. In their own reality. They're, they're ridiculous, but reality. within the within our actual reality. Excuse me, ma'am. Would you mind brushing my hair in the back for me? Just, just sometimes when I wake up, it's just too curly, you know? And I can't reach all the way back there. Oh, thank you. Someone once told me I had split ends, so I told them to split. <laughs> Maybe I can get you to come back and brush my teeth for me sometime, because you're really good at it. Yeah, very good. Clean. Oh, I got the walk light, Marie, but it's been a pleasure. Okay, God Thank bless you so much. You. Take care of you. God bless you. That was Marie. She's a wonderful woman. Excuse me. Do you know what time it is? Probably about 10. 10? 10, 10 in the a.m.? 10 a.m.? Okay, thank you. I don't look like someone dressed up as like a, in, in a sketch or something. And you don't break character. No, no, not at no, all. Never. Don't break character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Too no. frightening. In a, it, <laughs> uh, yes, I definitely. There were there have been times where we've been doing stuff and gotten done a scene where I'm like, he's still he's still that character. <laughs> he's not he's not really coming out. It's a lot easier once you get into character to not get out of it, just yeah. to stay in it. Even like times where we've been stopped by police, like I'll stay in character yeah. or say someone gets aggressive with me, I'm not going to break character because if you break character, that takes you to another level of. Oh, not only was he causing a disturbance, he thinks I'm an idiot and he was trying to fool me. Whereas if you just keep up the charade of me, I'm being an idiot, it just kind of diffuses it and go, oh God, this guy's an idiot. Just fucking leave, please. Whereas if I'm like, sorry guys, this is for a piece for uh, 
for this MTV web thing or whatever, they're just <laughs> yeah. going to be like, wait, we're, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if you just act like an idiot and be like, oh, you know, this was just, I was making a goofy YouTube video. I wanted to show my friends, uh, Cassandra, that, you know, right. they have RC in California, the cola, the sheet, you know, or whatever, like it might be. Right, like, I, right, I, right. I think in one of the videos I told uh, in a convenience store clerk, not that that's high stakes, but like, hey, this, I was just trying to show my friend that you can buy Sprite in Cincinnati, right. which right. is just like, okay, I, that, I don't know what that means, but just get out of here. Just leave, just go, you yeah. know. But have you ever gotten into, like a, a serious altercation through, through yes. doing one of those videos and had to like either run for real yeah or, like, yeah I've definitely had to run for real um, <laughs> the first Comedy Central pilot I did now this is one where I feel like I crossed the line a little bit being kind of a little more malicious so so the bit was this is this is for the pilot so we had like had a bigger budget we actually had a permit to be here this is on Venice Beach I was going to come to a drum circle like like Venice Beach is such yeah. the place for just obnoxious drum circle whatever B- off season burning man hippy dippy burnout what fucking Venice Beach you sure, know sure. so anyway I'm sure some of the people there are very nice whatever but anyway it's the the pinnacle of that kind of like tacky yeah. drum circle world um, so anyway the the idea was to come in as this even this really tacky character Phil Gower. Uh, he's got long ponytail, super new age. It's a vegan revolution, organically powered. Save the earth, kill a car. Slow down, you almost killed me, you lunatic. Namaste. He's got an ex-wife that he still lives with, and he's trying to, his story in this situation is he's trying to kind of take control of his life again and go out and be the free spirit that he is. I'm going to get back on the horse and go to a drum circle where I can feel free. And But he's all high-strung and also into tech shit, and he's got, like, a Bluetooth in the whole time. And so he goes to the, the drum circle, and he just keep, he's talking on the phone with his doctor about a rash he has on his, like, inner thigh. And he's trying to hear the doctor. what He's, he's getting the results from his doctor right. about what this rash is. It feels like he says it's orange and it has, like, a golf ball texture on his inner thigh. And, uh, and he's saying, you know, maybe my kids gave it to me, you know, but uh-huh. like, not my kids, no, my cat. And that's what I mean, you know, like, it's like, so he thinks he was like molesting his kids. Oh, right. That's the conversation he's having on the phone. His doctor now thinks he's molested his kids, but he's yeah. actually talking about his cats and he's having a hard time hearing the phone conversation over the drum circle, uh-huh. even though he's there to drum. And then, you know, in the middle of talking to the doctor on the phone, he's telling people like, yo, can you, you know, can you start over so I can come in on a rhythm? Can you start right, the drum right, circle? Right, like right. as though it's just like, a, you know, cacophony of drumming from all kinds of people uh, at least at this one and you know can you start over and so he's becoming obnoxious and i, I still think that's that's fine and it's yeah. just like this idiot man you think like you don't start a drum circle like a one a two a right, one two right. three start drum circle like you know that's how he's approaching it and uh, so he's trying to talk on the phone he's just getting like can you be quiet for one second just getting more and more upset and going into it sort of the goal was to cause enough of a disturbance where I get chased out, which will okay. lead to the next. This so you, is this was a little different. I was trying to do my street stuff, but have it be part of a larger arc for a, a bigger story. Right. So this was kind of one scene, and I was using you know again reality rather than making one segment where I have one situation. This was going to be one of like three situations in this character's arc throughout the episode for this TV pilot we were making. Right. So anyway, it's this one scene. So I needed to get a reaction in order to get from point A to point B to get to point C or whatever of this story. So. People are getting annoyed with me, so that's and working. You, you were gonna, regardless, you were gonna keep going until. Oh they yeah, yeah, you yeah, exactly, exactly. But I'm also thinking, because I was directing the piece too. I'm yeah. also thinking, okay, we've got five cameras mixed in. Luckily, there's right. a lot of tourists and a lot of people. But sooner or later, 
people are going to notice the cameras, yeah. notice that I'm the odd man out acting weird, and they're going to start putting the two together. And then as soon as people notice there's a camera involved, like I was saying, when I reveal that I'm not doing a character, yeah. it's the same as that. It yeah. lets people know, this guy is not just an idiot. He's fucking with us. He's, right. he's trying to ruin our good time. Right, right. This is not an idiot who's oblivious to what's going on. He right. thinks we're idiots. He's trying to ruin our good day. So in my head, I'm like, I got to get them to react before they notice the cameras. I have to. Otherwise, this is a you bust. You have to be more of an asshole than the cameras are yeah. visible. I was like, I got to take it way high. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start kicking sand. Because it was like on this like grassy knoll, but with sand in the middle. Because yeah. it's right on the beach. And uh, so I started kicking sand. <laughs> I started kicking sand. And man, it changed. The, the, mo- the, that's the tone the changed. That's, that's, that's where I was like, I was being mean. But it was like a lot of stuff at stake for me. Because I was like, yeah. I'm directing this thing. This is my first TV pilot. Right. Got all these people. We can't do this drum circle again. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, we either get it or we don't. Word is going to be out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I kicked sand. And man, that shit changed like that. Like, boom. These people got angry at me. But one particular guy just got up and like, it was all like muscular, like some muscular drum yeah. circle dude. He just chased me out. They all chased me out. And I ran. And I, they were, he was chasing me uh i mean the chase only went on for about 10 feet because i this is how i diffused it What'd i said i said okay this guy's gonna probably chase me and hit me or there's gonna be yeah. something not good with this so um so what i can do as soon as i hit the beach sand which was just like it was basically around this grassy knoll and that uh, that kind of famous venice beach uh little like rollerblade bike lane uh-huh. was between the knoll and the, and the sand so i run across that thing and i'm like i'm just gonna trip deliberately in the sand and just eat shit that way i'll f- I will have done the justice that right, they were looking right, for. Right, I will right. fuck myself up and make myself look like an idiot. And it'll be really funny on camera. So I'm thinking, okay, trip and fall. This is either going to defuse it or I'm just going to be sitting here like a, like a sitting duck. He's going to be shit. So luckily I like hit the sand and just like eat it in this like really goofy looking way. Then they just stop and you just hear like this whole like drum circle of like 40 people just like laughing at me. Nice. Like, yeah, you better run or whatever. Right. And, uh, and then just, so that's, that's how I diffuse that. Wow. Just jumping in the that's sand. Good. That's good. But you, you mentioned you had a Comedy Central pilot. Yeah. So you moved out to L.A. right after college. Kind of. Well, I finished college in 02. Mm-hmm. I did the, you know, at UC with you at DAP. Uh, and then when I finished college, I went to New York for that fall. And things just weren't clicking and working out. My whole plan the whole time was like, I'm going to go to New York. I want to get on SNL. I want to do this. I want to go to New York and do graffiti. That's my, my game plan. And uh, I was there for the fall, then came back for Christmas. And at the time, my girlfriend from college, we had broken up and gotten back together in that period. Mm-hmm. And then she had to go back to Cincinnati to finish school, but she was doing a co-op. And then she dumped me around Christmas time. And then I was just depressed, and I didn't know if I wanted to go back to New York. And then I thought, I'm just going to get a job and save up money and, and move to L.A. I spent basically about a half a year just being fucking depressed out of my mind. Yeah. When I got back, I was I like, just felt like a total failure, just felt like a loser, more or less living at home again. Worked at the bookstore for a period where I worked when I was in school. See people that I went to school with. I'm like, what yeah. are you doing here? I thought you moved to New York. It's right, like a right. Fucking loser. Yeah, I did. I failed. Yeah, like I had like a party. Like I moved to New York, right. you know. And then oh, like the fucking back like three and a half months later. Like yeah, I'm a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you saved up. You moved, and then you you went to L.A. when you L.A. Played. 2004. It's about nine years ago this month. And, and then what happened? So you're out there. Did you get an agent immediately? Or no, no, that? not at all. When I first got out there, um, the first couple of years, I was really focused. Focusing just on street art and graffiti because there's a huge like graffiti street art boom and like yeah, you get shows all the time and like being in LA there's tons going on so I was really concentrating on that it was also again out of necessity uh, since I finished school I didn't have a good camera I didn't even have a good computer or a computer I think half the time to, to shoot or edit anything yeah. so I was like okay what can I do what creatively can I do for my outlet I'll just fucking concentrate on graffiti and art you know visual arts and just and just do that because that's what's accessible yeah. and that was really fun but also at the same time was 
hitting a, a wall of being like, you know, I felt like like in the late 90s doing that. And, or like there's like a three year, three or four year period where I felt really good about it. Like from like 98 to 2000, 2001, I felt really good about it. Like I felt like, uh, I'm not saying I was like a huge player in the graffiti world, but I feel like when there's any movement, it takes a lot of people. And I was yeah. one of the guys in Cincinnati sure. doing it, you sure. know, and I felt like I was g- giving something interesting to it, you know, after like 03 into 04, like right when I got to LA, it felt like I was keeping up with doing shows. It felt like I need to make artwork for the show coming up, not because I had necessarily anything to say. Right. And um, also, I went to London to do an art show with Hunter. You know Hunter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, him and I did a art show there. And, you know, it was just one of those moments where I was just like, where's the farthest? Like, if, like, let's just say all my dreams came true, falling graffiti, a sort of beyond just enjoying the experience of it, but like career wise and this and that what make fucking vinyl toys right like i don't care about fucking vinyl toys right. like if someone said hey you want to make one i'd be like yeah that's cool i'll do that but like if right that's that's can, not fulfilling i don't feel like i'm expressing enough in that not to say there's not other outlets beyond vinyl figurines but when did you shift into the the zone of the whole time i was still making videos too and at one point i tried to meet the tubes i made a graffiti documentary called nobodies which right, i finished right. but then i wanted to add a couple scenes then just shelved it and it's been shelved since 2005 okay. now because i wanted to add some scenes to it so so i was concentrating on that and i was like i'll merge the two that way and yeah. then anyway at some point i was just like i'm just gonna i'm in fucking la concentrate on this i'm bored with the art shit so in 06 was the last time I had like a normal job. I worked at American Apparel that year, and then late '06 to early '07, I got hired uh, to work at Rever, which was this web company, uh, to make videos for them, which was cool. And they didn't use many of my videos, but it was, I was getting paid to go to like an office and sort of be appreciated. Paid to make comedy videos, or, or yeah, make, yeah, like, comedy videos. Were I mean, they, some were of it was somehow ads for them or something. Yeah, or? I mean, it was it was right back then. It was like. Rever was just as big as YouTube. It was like when there was like, I forget how many, probably three or four competing like video sites, right. you know, and that was one of them. It's just like long gone now. It was the one that would pay you for your content. The Betamax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It was the laser disc of web yeah. hosting. At that same time, I, I lived in Silver Lake at that point. I'd moved, after I got hit by the van, I got a settlement a year later for like 5000 bucks, and that finally was enough money to move. Windfall. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so I moved to Silver Lake, and then when I was living there, I was looking on Craigslist, and uh, I saw an ad on Craigslist that Fuel TV is looking for hot girls for a new sketch show. Okay. Uh, I'd done one segment for Fuel TV for a show called The Daily Habit earlier, um, with it was my like a skater show, yeah, 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 like an extreme sports uh, daily talk show kind of thing. But anyway, so I saw this. I was like, "Oh, Fuel TV." I've actually that's the one that's the one place I've done work for, right? Like, and they have a sketch show. Shit, I didn't know about this. So You're I was more like, of the hot girls." Yeah, I was like, "I'm not a hot girl, but whoever this guy's looking for it, you know, I don't know. He knows what's up with whatever this show is." Yeah. So I looked up the guy who was looking. I looked like searched his email or some shit or his name. I can't remember. And I found out is this guy Ryan Flynn, and that he hosted this show, Garage Comedy. I was like, okay, garage comedy is, oh shit, that place is literally down the street from my house. Like, literally, down the street. Like, I could walk there in like three minutes. And I was like, when does this show happen? Oh my god, this show's happening right now that he hosts. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to grab some fucking DVDs of my work and go over there and introduce myself. So I went over there and watched the show and had a good time. And then I met him and he was a really nice dude. And then he said, yeah, I'll check him out. You know, you gave him, you solicited, unsolicited yeah, yeah. demos. Yeah, yeah. Warner Brothers doesn't take No, no, Katie, I love Warner Brothers, not going to go with that. So I gave him that, and then he passed them on to his producers, and then I got in touch with them, and they hired me to do three segments, and then they really liked the segments, and then I was pretty much like, oh, we'll have you do three more, we'll have you do three more, and then all of a sudden I was a regular, and uh, I mean, I was just as regular as anybody else, but it was just like, I was doing the rest of the season, not just right. a few segments. Right. And so that was season one, that was great, that was the, and I've still been told, like, that paid bottom of the totem pole as far as TV stuff goes, but the way that show worked, it was awesome, 
like you're allotted like let's say it's like three thousand bucks for two minutes of content right typically for most uh, companies like of that three thousand bucks 800 has to go to production or 400 goes to wardrobe or, or whatever it is there everything is allotted into columns but on that show i was a segment producer um they're like you spend the money however you see fit so you didn't spend you, shit on shit and no you, you because I, I was the, i was the star of it and i would edit yeah. it and i would direct yeah. it and the only thing i needed someone to do was run camera and blur faces from people because i didn't like doing the waiver signing shit because it would kind of ruin the illusion and mm-hmm. throw a wrench in sort of how i like to create the atmosphere for my hitting camera stuff and then the rest was mine. So you were living off of the fuel TV money. Yeah, yeah, it was for, for it was it years. was awesome. I loved yeah. it at, yeah. at that point. It's it, that sounds like real simple. Like I met this guy and gave it to him, but it also comes from fucking years of, of making course. videos yeah, had, and the, always having them. That's why, like, when I knew of the guy, I had a DVD of you had shit the DVD to show ready. Him. Yeah, all yeah. The shit. It wasn't like yeah. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put something together. Yeah, at yeah. Some point. Yeah, yeah. you and had I, it. You went right over and gave it to him. And it's not like lucky that worked out. Like for years, like before DVDs, I was always running around VHS compilations. Right. Like when I lived in New York, I would hang outside MTV and stop people on their smoke break and give them a VHS tape. Right. And uh, I was trying to infiltrate and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Um, it's not like just uh, I think luck is kind of bullshit <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just if you do stuff enough eventually it'll it'll right. work out it's hard to get your brain behind doing stuff that much but anyway yeah. that's how I got Stupid Face and from Stupid Face that was that show went for three years three seasons from Stupid Face the, my producers for that show this guy's Ted Ted Newsom and Laban uh, Fidius, uh real super nice dudes man they let you have so much creative freedom those guys really spoiled me on that end mm-hmm. and at the time I even knew I was like I'm probably never gonna get this much creative freedom again so just try to enjoy it but it's hard to when it's the first thing you got sure. but uh so from that their manager at the time was this guy Michael Rizzo and then Ted and Laban had been feeding him my segments uh so he had been become familiar with them and then i had this story they were trying to tell him that he should yeah yeah he's like this guy's good you should check out his stuff so that was really cool to them and then i had a big like there's a i was in the la weekly 2008 people issue and there's like this big article and uh then when that happened that's when he got in touch with me like oh he wants to meet me i think was that chris that put that in there or or, uh, or, chris martin's wrote the article yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and then um and then from that article, you know, that's when I got my meeting with Michael Rizzo, my manager. And then I've had him since 2008. And through him, he had me, like, meet with other showrunners, like, uh, more veteran creative TV people. And that's how I met Odenkirk. And then okay. he liked uh, my stuff. And then since then, I've been working with Bob more or less on stuff since then. What's up, dude? What's going on? We're, we're just in the middle of a, of a podcast, but... Sorry. No, it's all right. I'm not going to interrupt. I, I timed it perfectly. You're looking good, man. <laughs> At this point, people start filing into the backstage. The show starts. You can hear that in the other room. It just gets too loud and too annoying to try to pick through what we're saying. But, you know, he tells me about he's He's done several, several pilots uh, for TV shows. Nothing's got picked up yet or green-lighted, I, as they say in the biz. But I'm confident it's only a matter of time before he does get picked up and pops off. That's it. For that conversation, I'm sorry to end it abruptly like that, but that's how it goes sometimes. Again, it's unpredictable. The backstages, the saloons, the streets, it might get loud, like the film. The, the, the clips that I have sprinkled throughout, obviously those are Andre doing his various characters and various bits. You know, they don't do it justice, it's just audio. You gotta, you gotta check out his videos online. Blonde Chili is his uh, production company. 
I've done a lot of work with him. He's done several videos uh, for why uh, the Y guys playing ourselves and, and Andre always playing some asinine character that, that uh, comes in to foil everything. Check those out. And uh, we're heading out on tour. Uh, well, the day this comes out, Wednesday, it's Monday right now, but we're doing a string of shows, mostly in the Midwest, East Coast, some Canada. That's my band, Why. Why with a question mark.com, all spelled out like that. Come watch a show, hang out, give me the secret wandering wolf hand face gesture, just so I know you're a listener. I'm, I have no intention of stopping. I'm going to keep going. This is my hobby. I have a hobby. People used to ask me, do you have a hobby other than music? And I'd say, well, no. I Sometimes I jog, you know, but that doesn't count. This episode of The Wandering Wolf was edited and produced by Ben Sloan and myself. The Andy Warhol-style image was created by Liz Wolf. That's all the credits I have for now. Over and out. Keep wandering. I'm saying oot like that because I'm about to go to Canada. Over and oot. I should do a thing like that. I should have a wandering wolf signature howl. All right. Peace, y'all. What's up, Hollywood? You ain't all that. There's a new mogul in town. His name's Jesse Miller. Straight up. My name's Tanya, and my boyfriend Jesse gonna make me famous. My boy Jesse's gonna make me a rock star. You can't lock Jesse Miller up, because he's out of the cage. Look, Look out, out, Hollywood. Hollywood. Straight up. Well, thanks, buddy. <laughs> or something like that.